0: Hmm. For the opening, I could do a voice where I talk like Dan Aykroyd, man, 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 but I'm not going to do that because I really want to get into this movie. We watch nothing but Trouble, so you know what that means It's in the basket, the writer's bagel Basket oh. Oh. Oh.
1: I came for the party to get naughty, get my rocks on, eat popcorn, watch you move your body till the pop song that I'm singing, ding-a-linging, funky beats ringing, everybody swinging in the place As I kick the J-A-Z-Z-Y style, R&B mixing it with the hip-hop swing beat Champagne in my hand, it won't be long till I'm gone, it's just the same old song It's
0: just the freestyle Tear me apart, Lisa! Wait up, out of a building! Yes, it was very exciting, tomorrow we go to the zoo I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so <laughs> scared! We don't have to be mean, guys. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Spagel Basket. I am Scott Kerland, and our first social distancing episode to keep the world safe um i have christopher brown via google hangouts hey buddy
1: hey uh yeah i I don't understand why uh we couldn't do this in person i mean all i've been doing is just walking around my neighborhood and trying to lick people and everything's been fine so far
0: jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) and i've been petting all the dogs i can (laughs)
1: Well, it's great, actually, because um, uh, we just got a puppy a few months ago. So obviously, you know, she has to go out for walks and whatnot. And the, uh, <laughs>
0: the reckless abandon
1: other people have towards this whole social distancing thing is insane. Because I'll be walking her down the street and someone will be like walking behind me, like and pacing me or whatever. And they'll practically like put their arms around me as they pass me. It, like it, the, the closeness of other people to me is awful. So, if I die, blame my neighborhood.
0: You just have to go, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I need an adult. I need an adult.
1: Throw my arms in the air. I
0: have a story for you. So, I was at the grocery store, um, which I, going to grocery shopping now has been just horrifying. <laughs> like, uh, a w- oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I have to tell this story because it's ridiculous. So I'm cleaning off my shopping cart, and this woman tries to steal my shopping cart. She goes, oh, is this for me? I'm like, first off, six feet away. And second <laughs> off, I don't know you. You're a stranger. Why Why would I give you my shopping cart? I'm, I said Politely, I said, I am wiping down my shopping cart. And she goes, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: You should have said something like, um, "like oh, so I don't get herpes," or like just like anything that isn't coronavirus, because clearly she hasn't heard of it. So
0: <laughs> there are so many dark things I can say. Well, yeah. you know, I was hanging out with uh, Rock Hudson and Liberace and oh, Anthony Perkins.
1: <laughs> you see, I have to wipe down every card I get. It's uh, it's actually the only way that I can finish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tony Shalhoub's son. From Monk. <laughs> Only Tony Shaloub from Monk. <laughs> you see, I was
1: conceived during the Monk days, and um, he has disavowed everything from that time period, myself included. So that's why I phrase it
0: that way. <laughs> My mom is Brooke Adams. <laughs> but yeah, so you you picked this movie. We're talking about sure Nothing But Trouble. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I watched this as a kid, and... I haven't seen it in over twenty five years.
1: Yeah, um, I watch it about once a decade, uh, roughly. Um, this movie I saw in the theater uh, when it was out uh, for some reason. So, nineteen ninety one. I would have been uh, at that point in fe- uh, February fifteenth. I would have been eight years old, and I, for some reason, saw a commercial for this movie and insisted to my mother repeatedly that we needed to see it. Um, and just as a little background, like when I was a kid to see a movie involved me asking my mother probably about four or five different times before it would actually like the wheels would get in motion and we would probably see it. So I put effort into seeing this movie. I put a lot of effort into it and was like, no, we've really got to see nothing but trouble. Definitely have to see nothing but trouble. This movie looks awesome. It looks like the best movie ever. So finally, she brought me and a friend to see it. And, um, it's great watching it as an adult and um, just thinking about like my mother sitting next to her son her eight-year-old son watching this movie in a theater
0: uh that happens every time I watch oh. babys kids <laughs>
1: oh yeah her, her eight-year-old son and his eight-year-old friend <laughs> so she is bringing another child into this as well
0: oh yeah it has to you so have good. to you have to think of it that way yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so um this movie I I understand that it is technically not a very good movie whatsoever. I love this movie. <laughs> I, I there's just something about it. Um, I really enjoyed it as a kid. Uh, probably just because it's fucking disgusting. Uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it as a little kid. Um, and like I said, I watch it maybe every ten years or so. And uh, yeah, no, I, I continue to enjoy it every time.
0: It's fine. I like it. I'm I'm not as gung ho. <laughs> there there are. Different Dan Aykroyd or Chevy Chase movies, definitely John Candy movies that I that I feel this way about. Uh, Delirious with with John Candy is definitely up there.
1: I I really need to see that because it feels like it's kind of cut from the same cloth as this. Do you know um, the plot? Probably a cl- uh, yeah. It's like he's inside of a TV show or something like that.
0: He's the creator of. He's like this Aaron Sorkin of soap operas, and he created the okay. soap opera that he's inside but he's the character who's about to be murdered. <laughs> oh, okay. And the cast, so, so, what... the cast is insane. It's like Muriel Hemingway, Dylan Baker, Charlie Rocket. <laughs>
1: so it's funny because uh, earlier I was going to make a joke and say, you know, it's cut from the same cloth, but probably a cleaner strip of it. Uh, but I think that that's probably not the case.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'm this yeah. way with with 3 amigos. Like 3 amigos mm-hmm. is a film that I know is bad, but I love it. But yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's um yeah, uh, another one up on that ilk I would say is uh Captain Ron.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I saw Captain Ron in theaters. Oh wait. <laughs> no, I saw Pure Luck in theaters. Oh okay. I saw a lot of shitty Martin Short movies in theaters. I saw *Clifford*. I saw *Pure Luck*. Oh, wow! I saw *Captain Ron* on VHS.
1: Oh, okay. How about um, *How about Cabin Boy*? Did you see that one in the theaters?
0: Of course, I saw *Cabin Boy* in theaters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Chris Elliott. That's why I... you can do no wrong, and <laughs> no one can tell me otherwise.
0: That's why I created Scott Curlin School for Fancy Lads. <laughs>
1: Um, you're a fan of um, uh, Get a Life, correct? Yeah. That show is wonderful. It is one of the few live-action cartoons that really just works.
0: <laughs> but this movie was Dan Aykroyd's passion project?
1: Yep. Sure
0: was. Okay, so in the trivia, doing the, the research that we both did, so apparently he, he this is based on a true story, kind of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's based on a true story is a little bit of a stretch. But um, yeah, he had an incident where he was pulled over in like a very small town uh, sort of situation and was actually driven to the judge's house in the middle of the night to be tried.
0: I think I know where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was on Nantucket.
1: Uh, He claims it was in upstate New York. Okay. Because, yeah, because he used to, uh, he lived in Canada and commuted to do SNL for a bit, which is, you know, smart.
0: Oh, so this was before he was even famous.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, it goes way back. Like, he was on SNL, so he was SNL famous at that point. So, like, yeah, he wasn't able to get out of it or anything like that. But that would be pretty good if, like, on Nantucket, like, that's how the law is.
0: (laughs) Well, because I heard stories from from people I know who, like, lived on Nantucket in the 70s, like, him and Belushi would just show up on Nantucket and they would cause, like, so much chaos that after a while the police would just be like, okay, Danny, okay, Johnny, (sighs) whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Like, breaking the spirit.
1: We've already got our hands full with those Hackett brothers who run Sandpiper Air out of the airport, so...
0: Uh, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh,
1: Wings is fucking awesome. Uh, an underrated classic. It is just so wonderful.
0: Why don't you give us the blockbuster rule? Okay,
1: um, <clears throat> Chris Thorne, in an attempt to, um, have sex with a woman who lives in his building, agrees to drive her to New Jersey, along with a couple of, and I quote, Brazilian airs. uh, but what they find, instead of their destination, is Nothing But Trouble.
0: I love that that they literally say the name of the movie, it's Demi Moore, she just goes, oh, you're Nothing But Trouble. And I'm like, this doesn't even fit in context to the movie. No, well, it's interesting because
1: Nothing But Trouble is actually the fifth title that this movie had. Uh, and it was assigned that by the studio. Uh, Dan Aykroyd had nothing to do with that title and has said that to him, this movie will always be called Vulcanvania.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, that makes sense or the judge
1: so yeah so here here's the list of the names um uh, it started out as git 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 <laughs> then <laughs> then uh road to ruin trick house was the name it was uh shooting under vulcanvania and then finally nothing but trouble
0: vulcanvania makes more sense
1: yes i think that's probably the most logical of uh of the bunch
0: i can't stand um Dan Aykroyd in this movie I, I know like this was his passion project I can't stand him as the judge but I love him as Bobo
1: yeah although um I've got to say with the dynamic of uh, Bobo and Will Double uh I, I like Will Double better uh because I think that he's a little bit more pure whereas uh Bobo I think is a little bit more aggressive in that relationship and I just I I don't like seeing Will Double taken down any more pegs than he needs to be
0: I thought Bobo was the the weaker one. I thought Little Devil was way too horny for Diane.
1: Oh, I mean, he was horny, but they were both horny.
0: I, I love that he he his prize if he wins the game he gets a bowl of cereal. Little Devil his prize is he gets Diane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's a little double for you.
0: And yeah, I love the, like
1: the cartoony way she was just like oh. Little devil.
0: I love Demi Moore in this. I think she's great. But my biggest question is, how the fuck did they get Demi Moore in this? That's
1: something I genuinely put a lot of research into trying to find out how the fuck that happened. Uh, Because you got to figure, this period of time, she was coming off of having filmed Ghost, which was basically hotly tipped to become the success that it was. So she had kind of her choice of projects and she went with this. So you have to wonder if uh, just basically like the pedigree of the people involved is kind of what convinced her to do it. Like, oh, Dan Aykroyd is doing this film with Chevy Chase attached and John Candy's in it. Like, slam dunk.
0: Well, I was looking at her IMDb leading up to this and she had nothing but shit before Ghost and nothing but shit after so so she had she had um before go she had mortal thoughts with with Bruce Willis um she also had one crazy summer she had um oh my god hold on there's a list it's it's ridiculously gross how how big the list is yeah she had <laughs> uh oh wait no mortal thoughts was the same year as this. And so was The Butcher's Wife. Those were three stinkers that she did. Then uh, We Are No Angels was the movie. And About Last Night and One Crazy Summer all tanked at the box office. Um, the only hit she had before that was St. Elmo's Fire. So she had four failed movies, then Ghost, then three failed movies, then A Few Good Men, An Indecent Proposal, and then after that, everything was just garbage disclosure the scarlet letter now and then uh, I guess an argument can be made for a hunchback of Notre Dame but then striptease
1: yeah and uh, late, a little bit later um, I was just talking about this on an episode about uh, old man Yella Cloud. cloud um, have you ever seen the film lol that she was in
0: oh yeah with Smiley Cyrus
1: yes yeah no it was fucking great the the one with the quote of Miley Cyrus in the bathroom saying I just wanted to hang out and take a shower with my
0: family that's because it was based on a French film and like I guess that's normal in France. Uh no, no it's not. It's not. Um I I have
1: uh, uh I'm friends with a few people from France that live in France and uh yeah no that's that's not a normal thing. They they sh- take showers like big kids.
0: Well then then the director of that movie is a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, I I think my favorite 90s Demi Moore movie of course is the classic beavis and butthead to america
1: yeah um yeah i forget i always forget that she was uh, the main voice in that i always whenever i think of voices from that movie i always just immediately go right to robert stack because he was really fucking slumming it there
0: i like beavis and butthead to america
1: uh, it's enjoyable for me too um it came out at exactly the right time for me to really enjoy it and it for it to still have a special place in my heart but robert stack was slumming it
0: we still have no idea where the hell this guy is
1: I want you to get full cavity search. Don't stop until you feel the back of his teeth.
0: <laughs> so in, in this movie, I need to talk about Taylor Negron because he, okay. he is one of the Brazilianaires. The other one is <laughs> the woman who plays... Amy Santiago's mom on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh shit! I didn't make that
1: connection. That's incredible. Um, yeah, uh, we should note too that uh, both of these actors are uh, American-born, I believe.
0: Yes, but she at least is Latino.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Taylor Negron is not.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that that was like basically like a um, like a like a, a Latin American minstrel show almost. It was fucking very offensive.
0: It was incredibly offensive. Um, also. His name is Faustos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: actually, one of my one of my biggest surprises from this, and it catches me off guard every fucking time I've seen this movie. Um, like, somehow, I, m- mentally, I cannot re- remember it, so I actually made a note, so I did remember. But um, it is shocking to me every time when I realize that uh, Fausto and Rinalda are siblings and not a couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think they only do that yeah. because a throuple wasn't a thing, because clearly they needed to use some incentive for John Kennedy to help them out. And in their situation, his sister.
1: Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that, that was probably, um, there's a lot of horrible things in this movie, but I think that that's probably the most offensive is, uh, just those two in their performances.
0: Well, did you find this in your research? Originally he asked Bill Murray and Murray was on I think he was just about to do what about Bob, but he was like on hiatus from making movies because of Scrooged.
1: Interesting. No, I didn't. I didn't hear that.
0: And and Bill was like, "No, I'm not gonna do it." <laughs> <laughs> and Chevy yeah. was Chevy was still upset that he said no to Ghostbusters, so he said yes to this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Chevy Chase was a. Uh... Him and John Candy were basically the first people brought in. Um, And it's really funny because uh, Dan Aykroyd originally wanted to play Chris Thorne, Chevy Chase's role. And I wonder if that actually would have been better.
0: I think it would have.
1: So there there are two kind of big what-ifs about this movie uh, that I think could have drastically changed its trajectory. Or at least how it was received. Um, I I don't think it ever would have been successful. Um, That casting change as well as the fact that this originally had was significantly more over-the-top violent, originally. So when they st- did the original test screenings um, a few months before release, um, it tested poorly with the test crowd... Um, and then the studio kind of went in and just started chopping everything in order to give it a PG-13 rating.
0: Because it feels like a horror movie.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to be more of a horror movie, and it was supposed to have this like really over-the-top cartoony violence, which made would have made a hell of a lot more sense with that fucking ending shot of uh, a Chevy Chase-shaped hole in the wall uh, after he ran through it.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to the ending. But <laughs> <laughs> the cast in this movie is, as we said before, insane but the cast are the actors who showed up on set to see them make this movie and had a great time is even insaneer. Did do you, do you hear who like would show up randomly on set? Yeah, Tom Hanks. Not just Tom Hanks, but uh, uh, Melanie Griffith. Um, basically, the entire <laughs> cast of Bonfire of the Vanities, which was filming across the... the... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you imagine them showing up? for like a bobo and will double scene <laughs> just walking in and just seeing that nightmarish vision.
0: Well, apparently Willis loved that because at the time Bruce Willis was married to Demi and he just loved showing up and seeing Dan Aykroyd who was his buddy dressed up yeah. like an idiot.
1: <laughs> so, um, do you want to do you want to get into the to the meat of this movie?
0: No. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, let's get into it. So Chris Thorne, played by uh, Sir Chevy Chase, is basically, he's not even a financial planner. He's not even a banker. He's, he's like a financial news reporter.
1: Yeah, from what it looks like from the props, the, this is one of the few places in this film where the prop department really phoned it in. Because elsewhere, the props and the sets are great in this movie. Um, it looks like he publishes uh, a zine. That he just hands out to people, and somehow has made him incredibly wealthy.
0: Well, he also gives financial advice to people, and he, I guess, he gets in on the the ground floor. if They give him a cut of it. So.
1: Oh, got it, got it. Okay, that makes more sense.
0: Yeah, but the one thing that kept driving me crazy is when Dan Aykroyd's like, "You're a banker. You're a banker." He's like, "I'm not a banker." He's not a banker.
1: (laughs) He is not. But um, to be fair, at like age 109 or whatever uh, the judge is supposed to be, uh, he might not be able to make that distinction.
0: I got so upset when when Aykroyd took his nose off.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's that's like probably the pinnacle of uh, disgustingness in this movie, even more so than the hot dog scene.
0: They're serving dogs. No, no, no. Hot dogs. Dutch country Herefords. Prize winners. (sighs) Hot dog. <laughs> Stadium Franks, you know what like they had before they brought in night games. I am never going to eat again after the hot dog scene. <laughs> so
1: apparently, um, I don't know if this was on the cutting room floor, but originally it was implied that the hot dogs were made from the uh, the drug dealers that he had killed earlier. I definitely yeah.
0: assumed that. Um, but who, were, who was the drug dealer? Oh, that would be uh, little Danny Baldwin. <laughs> hey, I don't want you. I want Judge Wapner. <laughs> It's like, hey, can we get Alec? No. Can we get Billy? No. Can we get Steven? No. We can't get Steven. <laughs> I well, guess Danny's we'll get asking. Danny. Danny's
1: been asking for something anyway, so let's get him in here.
0: Yeah, this was before he did Christopher Guest's Attack of the 50-Foot Woman remake. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, with Daryl Hannah. Did you ever see that? No, I haven't. Oh, my friends, I would love to have <laughs> you do that one because it is a treat. Christopher Guest yeah, directed mean, it.
1: Yeah, that seems a little bit out of his wheelhouse, but I'm curious to see it. Um, that seems like exactly the kind of trash that I would like to rummage through.
0: Dan- Danny Baldwin shows up, and he he's a drug dealer who I guess uh, was doing drugs and drinking in a car. So the whole thing is, I guess Vulcanvania, they, they try and find people who are speeding as a means to the end of, killing them
1: yeah uh that's that's kind of what I got it's um they they do a lot of harvesting of of people to keep the crime rate down uh in, in good old Vulcanvania which is uh, loosely based off of uh Centralia in Pennsylvania the same place that Silent Hill is based off of so yeah it that's that's sort of the uh, the uh the impression that I got and early on we get uh the impression that John Candy's uh sheriff is maybe growing a little uh, uncertain about the uh, morality of what they're up to.
0: John Candy is in a dual role. I honestly forgot John Candy was in this movie even though he's showing up as John Candy in a dress <laughs> as as his yes. twin sister. But I forget a- John is- Candy is in this movie because he is not talking.
1: <laughs> yeah, in in that role he is uh I don't know if they ever specify if she's actually like a like an actual mute. But uh, she is, for all intents and purposes, a mute.
0: They said she was struck by lightning.
1: (laughs) So, uh, apparently, one of... There's a few different, like, little kernels that were the genesis of uh, this film. And one is Dan Aykroyd had the oh-so-hilarious idea at one point in his career to put John Candy in a dress. And he's just like, that's great, that's brilliant, I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm going to make a movie with that at some point in my career. So... Uh, that, yeah, that's one of the things that, like, basically he was throwing fucking everything at the wall.
0: Yeah, and you can tell, uh, apparently that was one thing that the crew had a problem with, was that anytime someone would suggest something stupid, he'd be like, yeah, absolutely, let's do it.
1: Yeah, and that's why it went over budget. (laughs) Because he would do things like paid, uh, literally $25,000 for that, uh, dining room table with the train set on it.
0: I hate the food in that movie, but I do love that train set.
1: It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, the sets and props in this movie, uh, you can't argue about them. They're, they're fucking top-notch the whole way through. Like, the crew on this film did an excellent job.
0: And by crew, you mean the digital underground who randomly show up in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was interesting. I did some research into that because I was curious as to whether or not um, Dan Aykroyd actually played Oregon on that. Uh, not because I think that they were technically recording the song uh, within the context of the film, but I was curious if he actually like played on the studio version, um, and he did not.
0: But he plays the organ.
1: Yeah, he does. He was just miming along. Yeah, so I, I, I was curious to see if like Dan Aykroyd actually held up in like a bad boy or a, sorry a Tommy Boy studio in New York with like Digital Underground to actually like work on a track <laughs> that would have been so fucking dope.
0: It's so weird to think that Tupac was in the Digital Underground when he is more, like, hard-edged than, like, Humpty.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that kind of came with time. <laughs> I don't think that that was uh, initially the case.
0: I just love how they, they, they're like, okay, the only two people that people are really going to notice in the digital underground are Tupac and DJ Humpty, so let's do extra long close-ups of them. And, oh, did you... I- did you think that one of the backup dancers... There w- there's a backup dancer who looks exactly like uh, Kelly Kapowski. Looks like Tiffany Amber Thiessen.
1: It wasn't her, but yeah, no, there was one that resembled her.
0: Yeah, I know it's not her, but I was like, she looks <laughs> a lot like Tiffany Amber
1: <laughs> I want to live in that universe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tiffany, Tiffany Amber, Thiessen Amber Thiessen. is a backup dancer for the Digital Underground <laughs> <laughs> for the digital underground. <laughs> But she's, she's the one who's basically, like, rubbing uh, Dan Aykroyd as he plays the organ.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, rubbing Dan Aykroyd as he plays the organ and has a nose that looks like an organ.
0: Yeah. The, the penis nose is so gross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I loved, though, uh, there, there are a lot of things that I think are really, really fucking good about this movie Um, for everything that went wrong with it his um like his the the whole like courtroom again like just the sets and the props of this are so choice like everything about it is just fucking uh give it a little chef's kiss,
0: yeah, I love the courtroom his bedroom is fine. I did not like the the bone stripper. I thought that that was just so clunkily put together, and they even said that that was clunkily put together.
1: You had a problem with uh, the roller coaster that um, takes people to their death?
0: I had a problem with the tin cans that they used for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently they um, they found like a, a roller coaster that was basically um, for sale for best offer, and uh, they, they did what they could with it to, to make it work.
0: Also, Chevy Chase is not the right person for this movie. Like, Every one of his <laughs> lines is just a quip, and he's such a dick that it doesn't endear you to him. If it was Dan Aykroyd, like it should have been, then you would have got like the performance he gave in Trading Places. Hell, if the yeah. the casting that would have worked really well for this movie is if you have Eddie Murphy in a bunch of like makeup, like he did for Coming to America.
1: Have him as the judge.
0: Yeah. Okay. Him as the judge and him as uh, Bobo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Apparently. <laughs> This is so sad, but apparently Dan Aykroyd only played Bobo because he couldn't get anyone else to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I read that. No one wanted to do it. Like, he asked a whole bunch of people. He asked Marty Short. He asked Moranis.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Man, Moranis as Bobo. Oh, that would have been so good. Talk about a meaty role.
0: (laughs) The guy who plays Little Devil is, uh, what's his name from a blank check? Uh, uh, The limo driver frank the limo driver
1: oh i thought you were gonna say the kid
0: yeah (laughs) yes it's (laughs) brian bossel he was only five years
1: old at the time but we thought he was perfect for will devil
0: this is before he was selling drugs and and holding up liquor stores
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you know everyone goes through their um their tim allen phase Uh,
0: blank check is a movie that i have to do on this podcast
1: blank check is great um uh, me, Patrick, and Jim from um, Old Men, and um, a few of our friends are, have been talking a big game about putting together a 90s cover band uh, at some point, just strictly as like a fundraising effort for all of us, and uh, Blank Check is the name that I circulated that I think has the most uh, support, so hopefully, yes, I will one day be in a band called Blank Check.
0: <laughs> or I would go with the Big Green.
1: The Big Green's pretty good, too. I mean, there, there are so many. It takes Yeah, you know, like
0: <laughs> Little Giants. Oh, man, I could do this all day. Little Big League. <laughs> Rookie of the year. I was going to say the rookies of the year. <laughs> I wear the sandlot. We're nothing but trouble. Now here's Better
1: Than Ezra's good.
0: <laughs> I like that song.
1: Oh, it's it's a great song. It's definitely a slice of a certain point in time, and it could never have happened at any other point in time.
0: Exactly, especially since it was the one thing that you always saw in like a '90s movie trailer. Like, he's a wacky yep. guy, she's a crazy girl. They're mad I spe- love.
1: <laughs> I specifically remember it being in the commercial for uh, the Babysitters
0: Club. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Meet the Babysitters. Oh, Dawn, the other one, the. The one who's a tomboy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing I do want to discuss here um, is
1: uh, the actual trading advice uh, that Chris Thorin was giving in the course of this movie um, that he was yelling out to the people um, of Vulcanvania as they were driving through the streets. So to them, he yelled out, sell pork bellies, buy gold. I don't think that's real financial advice.
0: <laughs> what does that even mean? Like his financial advice actually worked for one of his... His doorman, but like everyone else, it doesn't seem to work for. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just to talk about the uh, the fine people of Vulcanvania again for a second, there were right before um, John Candy sees Chris uh, run the stop sign or come to a rolling stop. Uh, we are shown two guys on motorcycles just slamming handles of booze, and that is less of an issue in Vulcanvania than someone who rolls through a stop sign.
0: Yeah, well, that's ZZ Top. You're not going to kill your only (laughs) band. So good. Because I was wondering Um, about that. (laughs) Honestly, John Candy should have just let them go.
1: It would have been more consistent with his character if he did not take them back to the... uh, the, Well, I mean, he probably would have had uh, his cousin not gotten involved. They had a, a second cop involved.
0: Yeah, Valerie Bromfield wasn't there. Valerie Bromfield in this movie, like I remember in the 80s and 90s, she would always show up as like this goofy looking lady with a gun. And <laughs> I remember her the most from um, Full House. She She's in the episode where DJ babysits and the kid's head gets stuck through the, the, um, the, stair. the stair. The stair columns. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. use butter to get it. And her big line is, Let's go home and put some bread on your head.
1: (laughs) That is such a fucking stereotypical late 80s, early 90s family sitcom joke. Like, completely harmless, no one is at the butt of it, and it is not fucking funny.
0: And you're like, weren't you in Second City, Valerie Bromfield?
1: Yeah, talk about slumming it. She's slumming it with Robert Stack.
0: The the people who are in this movie in, like, bit roles had bit roles in, like, a ton of 80s and 90s movies because you have... Taylor Negron, who is, of course, most famously known for his cameo in um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High as the pizza guy. Yep. yep. And then also him in Angels in the Outfield.
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: And and my favorite Taylor Negron role, of course, is in Punchline, where he goes up to Tom Hanks and he's like, are you ready to see the magic? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty good.
0: Ta- Taylor Negron, um, Valerie Bromfield... Brian Doyle-Murray, who else is in this movie that was like uh, Second City? So,
1: so I, I want to talk about Brian Doyle-Murray just for a second because you brought him up. Um, he's listed in the opening credits.
0: He's billed fifth. <laughs>
1: he does not show up in this movie until conservatively 75 minutes into it.
0: <laughs> we're, we're at like the hour and 20 minute mark and, and there he is. Um... <laughs> No, this movie is an hour and 40 minutes long. So he shows up like at the hour and 30 minute mark.
1: Yeah, it is very much at the end of the film.
0: Also, uh, did you feel bad for Demi Moore? Because like every time she kissed Chevy Chase, you could tell she was like in pain.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's not surprising because he was apparently a total sack of shit on set, which, you know, to the surprise of absolutely no one because he is a fucking piece of shit. Um, But yeah, apparently on set, um, quote unquote, on her behalf, he would complain about her costume uh, being too revealing. And it, it, from what I from what I could gather from what the crew was saying and everything, it made it, the way he went about it made everyone uncomfortable including Demi Moore.
0: Did she care? I mean, her her outfits like kind of bad, but she's wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing like a jumper. Yeah, she's wearing a romper. <laughs> a, romper like a, a, a romper, a romper. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, she's wearing a romper, but she, she I mean, I think I think the, the the most weirdest thing about her costume is when she's wearing glasses. I I told you earlier she looks like Moshe Kasher.
1: Yeah, well, and and as I corrected you, uh, Moshe Kasher looks like her. Uh, I think I firmly believe that he has styled his uh, persona after uh, Diane from Nothing But Trouble.
0: They never get she, she's the yeah she's the only one who doesn't have a last name, right? Lightson. Oh, is it? Yeah, I
1: think I think she briefly says it, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, she she technically has a last name.
0: Everyone else has a last name. I just didn't know if they gave her one cuz I really was not paying attention to her character cuz I couldn't believe that Demi Moore was in this movie. <laughs> cuz <'Cause>, like <laughs> um, I I would have she... thought that he would have put like Donna Dixon in this movie. Like that
1: that was surprising to me that Donna Dixon didn't show up in this movie after you know he had successfully uh, won her heart from Paul Stanley.
0: Yeah, but he did that in like '84.
1: Uh, it was earlier than that. It was like '79. Oh, was, really? '78, uh, uh, yeah. Because um, on Paul Stanley's uh solo album of the four Kiss solo albums, the opening track is about Donna
0: Dixon. Is it called "Goddamn You, Dan Aykroyd"?
1: <laughs> it's called. It's no. It's grosser than that. It's called uh, "Tonight You Belong to Me." Oh, and. Yeah, in his uh, in his autobiography, it is wonderful. He fucking pulls no punches. He's just like basically like, yeah, I always thought that Dan Aykroyd was a talentless uh, hack, and uh, you know, I I think that history has proven me correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we started talking about that on the the Chuck and Larry episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, any any chance I have to talk about Donna Dixon, Paul Stanley, and Dan Aykroyd, uh, I am there for it.
0: That's the biopic movie I want to see. Like. She shows up all miserable in the nineties on the set of Nothing But Trouble and she's like, I wonder what Paul's doing.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't have makeup on and he's playing in um like a like a restaurant because Kiss is in the tank.
0: <laughs> but Dan Aykroyd, like this is one of his forays into kind of the paranormal, because he's a very big, outspoken person about like the afterlife, the paranormal and aliens so
1: yeah um I mean Ghostbusters was born out of that as well um yeah apparently so this movie came about because um the producer of it whose name is eluding me um what is it? uh Robert Weiss um he was in town um and invited Dan Aykroyd out to uh see a movie and he basically just said like it's got to be anything but a comedy um because he had apparently broken a rib um uh, probably trying to um Full 8, for all we know. Um, (laughs) Jesus. So, so yeah, uh, they went and saw Hellraiser. And apparently, the audience that was watching Hellraiser found it amusing and were laughing at it. So the two of them were just like, well, why don't we make a horror comedy? And that's kind of yet another origin story for this film, of which there are several.
0: And Jordan Peele was like, hold my beer. (laughs)
1: Are then are, do you think Get
0: Out and Us are uh, horror comedies? No, I think Keanu is. Oh, oh, I haven't seen Keanu. Keanu is like an oh, action movie, but it's so weird and so dark, and like the villains in the movie are like straight out of like Hellraiser.
1: Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were gonna talk about that uh, that laugh riot that was Us.
0: N- no, but I would say that um, anything off of Key and Peele is like a horror comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Make a Wish sketch?
1: No. No, the only one that I've ever seen is uh the, the two dudes on the plane.
0: Oh, so you haven't seen the Steve Urkel sketch? No, I haven't. Uh I'll send it. Uh, okay. <laughs> we actually talked about it on the mini episode. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is not a good director. Um he doesn't he doesn't film stuff the way it should. Like, the one thing I noticed is the opening shot of this, the the crane shot. The one thing mm-hmm. you don't want your camera to do when you're like swooping down. You don't want it to move.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you, you don't want that, and it's extremely visible.
0: I feel like the the helicopter guy is like, oh, it's too windy today, and he's like, just keep going. I'll just keep doing it. This is perfect. Um, yeah, I,
1: I, so how to phrase this without sounding like a absolute monster. 9-11 was not Dan Aykroyd's fault, but it's an added <laughs> punch to the gut when the movie opens on the twin towers
0: yeah it it's very upsetting
1: <laughs> yeah it's just like it like that's just an added like gut punch uh to this movie that the movie didn't earn
0: yeah because yeah i'm not even gonna go into it i'm not gonna get political <laughs> it, it was upsetting i, I was oh, actually come on contemplating do i talk about it <laughs> No,
1: come on come on into this come on into the sandbox and play. There's a lot of glass in here. It's great.
0: No, I'm not going there. But I I still feel that like the the New York City skyline is just such a cliche at this point. Even in the 80s and 90s, at this point is already a huge cliche. You don't need to open up with the New York City skyline.
1: It also just provides a little bit of dissonance with the actual results of the movie itself, which I guess is fair because they wanted to kind of have um, like Aykroyd wanted it to kind of have like a sort of psycho sort of vibe where it starts in one place and goes somewhere else completely well yeah but um, he could have
0: easily done Chicago he's from he's from that area
1: but that takes away from the hilarious joke that this is in New Jersey
0: uh, fuck this movie man I know you love it but it's so fucking <laughs> gross <laughs> it's so gross um, oh it's disgusting Um,
1: so there were a couple parts that did genuinely get, um, laughs, like out loud laughs from me in this film. And I feel like I just need to address a couple of them. Um, one, and I don't know why this was so funny to me when Fosto and Ronaldo were escaping and, um, they were getting machine guns down. (laughs) They got away. So like they didn't, it's, it's the humor was not in the, like the violence of it or anything. It was just for some reason, the choreography of that. Made me laugh.
0: <laughs> I really hate Faust- Fausto. I really hate him because he... I know it's supposed to be his character, but the whole... um, Him blaming Chris for everything that they're in, even though it's his fault... Yeah. yeah. He's the one who wanted to tag along. He's the one who wanted them to get off the highway. He's the one who wanted him to speed. Like, everything that happened is his fault. So, in my opinion... He probably should have died. So, all right, counterpoint.
1: Chris was the one who did all of these things. Fausto suggested it and egged him on, but he didn't physically do any of this. And actually, Diane egged him on, too, at a couple points.
0: Well, because she was trying to mediate. She, She was doing the lawyer thing where she was trying to be like, why don't we just get off? Because they were whining so much. Why don't we just get off the highway? And these two... Horrible stereotypes will shut up.
1: <laughs> that sounds like the making of like a joke. Like, how do you get a horrible stereotype to shut up? Get off the highway. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> Taylor Negron wasn't the right person for this role. I would have settled for like Hank Azaria because even when Hank Azaria is like, oh, that heck- would have been good. Yeah, and anyone who is believable in this role, Johnny Legs. Because he was in Carlito's way at this point.
1: Oh, no. Who would have been incredible? Hear me out on this. Patrick Fishler. Really? Yeah. Just imagine that with his, with his like fucking, like his caterpillar eyebrows and boyish innocence. I I just think he would have been great. Or, or Fisher Stevens. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Fisher Stevens has a uh, certain history (laughs) about this sort of thing anyway. Yeah. We've all seen Short Uh, Circuit. Yeah. Short Circuit. That's what it was. Jesus. Yeah. And, um, the um, the other uh, another part that made me laugh um, was just a throwaway line, um, but it somehow really uh, really hit home for me when um, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore are running around trying to escape, and they're trying different doors, and one is one is a room that's just filled with bats, and Chevy Chase is just like bat room, and just closes the door, and just how much of a throwaway it was, probably because he was putting zero effort into this movie, and it's visible at all times. Yeah, it just really landed for me. <laughs>
0: Well, I love how he, like, would make fun of this movie on the short-lived Chevy Chase show, but at the same time, like, he was like, well, the, the person who suffered the most was Dan, because um, apparently Dan Aykroyd, like, he was the main producer, the writer, the director, so the studio blamed him when everything went yeah, wrong. Yeah. But, like... Yeah. Yeah. It, just everything about this movie is... um comical to think about did you ever hear the roger ebert story about this movie
1: yeah um so he refused to review it and at his screening there were some kids talking and he went over and offered to pay them to talk louder so he wouldn't have to hear the dialogue
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> what a fucking asshole
0: i loved roger ebert but <laughs> i mean have you ever heard his review of the movie north <laughs> no oh he, that he said that that is the worst movie ever made of all time.
1: Interesting. The Elijah Wood one?
0: Yeah. It was his least favorite film of all time. And that was like the movie that I grew up like watching the most.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, kids are weird. Um, like when you're up until you're like, I would say conservatively 12, you kind of have a garbage brain, uh, which is great for a whole number of reasons because you're like a really creative as a little kid and you, you know, the world is your oyster. But you also do things like watch North and um, beg your mother to see nothing but trouble in the theaters.
0: And Surf Ninjas. And Surf Ninjas. <laughs> and High School High. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Jesus.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I don't know why they didn't call that Turtles in Time in a, like, a blatant cash grab um, to try to tie it into the video game that it was not tied into whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Also, um, I've talked about it on the podcast, but I bartered a deal with my dad um, that if I didn't get to see... Jurassic Park, which I really wanted to see. He said, I'll take you to two movies. And I got to see... In one day, I got to see Super Mario Brothers, which that'll eventually be on this podcast, and Last Action Hero.
1: Ship. Oh, wow. Last Action Hero is uh, an underrated gem. Oh, it's that one is, of... Uh,
0: it's probably my favorite movie. action movie.
1: It's just such a funny movie. I was actually, weirdly enough, thinking earlier today about the scene um, where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger... Um, rams his uh mercury sable into the cab <laughs> because he's like oh it has an airbag so i'm fine as he comes spills out of it with like blood all over his face
0: oh that hurts <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i mean most of the movies we talk about on this podcast like have some sort of sentimental value this ha- as a kid scared the bejesus out of me um and it's not for the reasons you think it was it, it wasn't the hot dogs which are disgusting. The thing that scared me the most was um him jumping through the wall in a chip. Oh, at the very end. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're on like the eighteenth story. You'll die.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's no sentiment to this movie, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, like, there's no growth. There's no character growth. The only thing that happens is that Demi Moore and Chevy Chase become a couple. It's not because he becomes a better person or anything like that. Um, Like, yeah, sure, he rescues her at one point, but it, it, it was, again, everything was completely driven out of selfishness on his part.
0: Yeah. Just everything about um, the... Oh. Everything about oh, their love story is just upsetting. I, I think if yeah. it was Dan Aykroyd, the only reason why I understand not casting Dan Aykroyd because you don't believe that Dan Aykroyd would be gullible enough to believe Taylor Negron to to do any of the stuff, like Chevy Chase. Yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Bill Murray, that's the type of guy he is. Dan yeah. Aykroyd is the one in Ghostbusters who is like the sweetheart, the innocent one. The I couldn't help it; he just popped into my mind, the Stay Pu- yeah. Puft Marshmallow Man. Like, yeah, yeah. But I would have oh, believed um, the love story more.
1: I uh, I did think of another uh, genuine laugh. Uh, this one brought out a hearty laugh on my part. Um, when Digital Underground arrive at the house and they look around at this like rotting, decrepit old mansion surrounded by like cars and toasters and all sorts of trash, uh, one of the members just says, "Man, white man's heaven," <laughs> and that got a hearty laugh out of me.
0: Who said that? Was that Humpty?
1: It was not Humpty. It was another one. Okay. Uh, I I don't know the other members.
0: Yeah, no one, except for um, Tupac, no one knows the other members.
1: (laughs) So I was thinking, um, when you were growing up, was there a house in your town like this one?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I think that every small town in America has a house like this, where it's just like, A falling apart house that is lived in by someone and surrounded by trash in the yard.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you the name of the house after uh, we're done recording (laughs) because I'm not going to say it on air.
1: (laughs) Oh, why not? Just bleep it out. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yeah, mine was... um, uh, I I won't tell the name of the people uh, who lived there, but uh, it was on Howard Street in Saugus. And... um, I think it's been finally demolished. Um, Possibly by nature. (laughs) I don't know.
0: There were a few houses growing up that were like that, but there's one in particular, and I can't say the name of where it was or the type of the house because they put the the person's name into the house when talking about the house, but (laughs) it will be worth the wait. (laughs) So, yeah. Excellent. I mean... um, John Candy is my favorite thing in this movie um as as the the state trooper.
1: Yeah, not not as um oh what the fuck was her name? Her character the character name. Um Yeah, I know I Eldonna. Cuz isn't his name <laughs> yeah, Don? Yeah.
0: Dennis. Dennis.
1: Yeah, Dennis uh was easily the most likable character in this movie because even Demi Moore who is obviously significantly less of an asshole than uh Chris Thorne. Um, she's still, the reason she wants to go to Las Vegas, um, Atlantic City is so that she can very publicly humiliate an ex-boyfriend.
0: Yeah. Like, for breaking like, out so, with so her. She,
1: yeah. So she doesn't have like noble goals in this film either. Um, I, I would say that, uh, Dennis is the only kind of pure character in this.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, an argument can be made for, what's her name? Renata, Renata, Rinalda? Rinalda. Ronaldo? Ronaldo.
1: Yeah, I mean, although she, she is still with Fausto in the, the operation, so I, I think that the two of them kind of are a package deal.
0: I know, but I feel like she just goes along with it because she wants some place to go. <laughs> <laughs> I am very bored inside. I need some place to go. Yeah, I don't know who she looked like to me, but she she looked like... Um, uh, Oh, my God, what what's her name? Um, She looked like a different actress... Uh, she looked like Phoebe Cates.
1: Yeah, she had a, she had a little bit of a Cates action going on.
0: Yeah, that, Phoebe Cates is another two nostalgic movies that I grew up watching. Princess Caribou and uh, Drop Dead Fred.
1: I was not expecting you to say either of those movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Princess Caribou, because we had uh, a shitty video store when we couldn't go to Blockbuster, and before they opened up the the still shitty, but better quality um store. There was another video store. It was basically in the supermarket. In a in a Purity Supreme they had a video section and they always had a mm-hmm. copy of Princess Caribou. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we now have uh, we now have over six films. <laughs> One of
0: them is Princess Caribou. You're not far off. They had like twenty five <laughs> movies. Um they had like two copies of um Kindergarten Cop, they had three copies of Nothing But Trouble.
1: Oh, nice, nice. Well, you got to meet the demand.
0: Yeah, and then they had a single copy of Princess Caribou and a copy of A Fish Called Wanda and I Love You to Death.
1: (laughs) All the Kevin Clines. What a strange selection. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's why Purity Supreme went out of business in 1994. Yeah, because of Princess Caribou. Yeah, because their video section was shit. They sank all their money into it and only ended up somehow getting 20 tapes.
0: <laughs> but I, I just, in this film, Demi Moore, I want to like her, but then like you realize she's kind of a douche.
1: Yeah, she sucks in this too. Everyone sucks except for Dennis. Like there's not a good character in this. There's not a pure person besides Dennis. Oh, actually, you know what? I take that back. The entirety of the digital underground. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Kelly Kapowski, dancer girl.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, and Tiffany Amber Theus and their, uh, da- their dancer. <laughs>
0: When when your two best characters are an entire hip hop group and uh, (laughs) and the sweetest guy from SCTV, you have a problem.
1: Yeah, you sure do. You have
0: a major problem. Also, uh, what's his name? Dan Aykroyd. The judge is supposed to be like this noble character. Like Because the twist is you find out they get free, Demi and Chevy get free, and then they end up going to the FBI and um, the 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 police. Which is head by Brian Doyle Murray. He runs the police. The FBI is that other guy. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. So they go to the New York City Police and then the New York Bureau of the FBI, and then you find out that they're in on this.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's uh it's messed up.
0: <laughs> it's really messed up and he's like and Brian Doyle Murray's like now that you know, well, we got to take care of you.
1: Yeah, so they were actually going to get straight up murdered by um by like basically a SWAT team. Um which which would have been a really interesting end to this movie. Um to to just see them straight up murdered and then credits roll. <laughs> that would have been such a different movie. <laughs> they
0: would have murdered them and then cut to uh, Taylor Negron and um, John Candy. In Brazil.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> they just get gunned down, and then John Candy gets a happy ending. Which honestly, I think uh, probably is is the most fair ending and the just ending.
0: <laughs> I I still have so many questions. Like, is Dan Aykroyd gonna show up at at the apartment? Is Chevy Chase gonna get free? Because this is the one time where I don't want Chevy Chase to get free. Like, if it was yeah, yeah no,
1: I, absolutely not.
0: If it was Aykroyd. If it was anyone else from SNL, like at this point, like honestly, I was thinking about who from SNL at this time would have been like really good in the Chris role. And know who I came up with? Norm MacDonald. <laughs> Norm. <era>. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, Chris Thorne. Uh,
1: uh, sell, sell pork belly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I always quote from Norm MacDonald? From Dirty Work, his whole... <laughs> ridiculous! Absolutely ridiculous! <laughs> alright, alright. Settle down, hot prostitutes on homeless guys. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, Phil Hartman.
1: Oh, man. That would have been an interesting movie. Yeah, and actually, in looking about, looking at it, too, um, you could probably cast Amy Moore, uh, her role with, with a bunch of different people for better results, too. She wasn't inoffensive in this, but she wasn't anything special either.
0: Like, if if you casted just all comedy actors, like Goldie Hahn or yeah. Bette Midler, um, even Jan, Jan Hooks. <laughs> Bette
1: Midler would have been fucking hysterical in that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably could put um, what's her name in there too? Um,
0: Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, oh,
1: that's exactly who I was thinking, but it, it was probably a little early for her.
0: No, no, this would have been right after LA Story.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, no, she she would have been pretty good in this. Actually, she would have been perfect for that. Fuck, let's 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 get that movie made. Get in the time machine and fucking get a real movie made.
0: <laughs> well, the weird thing is the Butcher's Wife that Demi Moore made on the cover, she looks like Sarah Jessica Parker. She's got blonde hair and like Oh, Nancy Travis. <laughs> Nancy Travis would have been good.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All the all those 80s starlets. Ellen Barkin.
1: <laughs> I like the ones that are like just slightly age inappropriate too. Like Bette Midler was probably a little old for the for the role. Um, Ellen Barkin probably
0: would have been as well. But like who else could have we gotten in there? Like Meredith Baxter? <laughs> no, she was strictly TV at this point. Um, Oh, uh, Emma Thompson. Jo- Emma Thompson. Joanna Kearns. <laughs> Joanna Kearns. As long as we got each other. <laughs> well we could go. We
1: could go in the. We could go in the other direction too, and have it be someone who is like not an adult playing an adult. Tracy like, Gold. Tracy Gold <laughs> in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ali <Ally> Sheedy. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Molly Ringwald. Actually, um, Molly Ringwald would have been pretty good.
1: She would have been really good for this. Um, man, she is not a good actress. I gotta. I just gotta come out and say it. You don't um, love her on Riverdale. Ever, I haven't seen Riverdale, but what she, what it is really just glaring is, um, the TV miniseries of The Stand. She is just awful in it. It's like painful to watch.
0: I wonder why you're watching that around now.
1: Uh, I, this is years ago, but yeah, uh, yeah. In, in insert joke here.
0: <laughs> yes, there's a man in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah. uh, Oh, Meg Ryan would have been good. Yep, Meg Ryan. Um, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, that feels like just too on the nose. Yeah, maybe. What if Tom Hanks made this movie instead of doing Bonfire of the Vanities?
1: Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks probably could have carried this. So, I, I have a very complicated relationship with Tom Hanks insofar as I think he is extremely overrated as a dramatic actor. Um... I vastly prefer him in his more kind of comedic takes. So, like, his earlier stuff uh, and the occasional comedy that he does now, I think uh, I, I enjoy him a lot more than when he's in serious films.
0: I, uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, but I do love him when he just, like, plays real people now.
1: <laughs> yeah, when he's like, Sully.
0: Yeah, but you can still tell it's Tom Hanks. It's like, "No, I'm Sully." No, you're just Tom Hanks with <laughs> white hair.
1: Yeah, it's like he's mentally ill and he's just completely like going into fugue states where he's convinced that he's other real people.
0: Well, I will say he was really good as Miss Rogers.
1: Uh that I haven't seen and I'm I'm on the fence about it cuz honestly it's not something that really interests me. Um I don't really care about Mister Rogers. Um, that probably makes me a heartless person, but I don't care. Um, and I don't really like Tom Hanks. So it's like I I understand that the movie is supposed to be really good, but it's it's
0: it's 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 on the list, but it's low on the list. It's not even about Mister Rogers at all. He's in the movie like twenty minutes for uh you know two hour movie.
1: What what the fuck is the movie about?
0: <laughs> it's about the writer and how he's estranged from his father, who abandoned him as a kid and just showed up.
1: Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting.
0: And at the it's same time, he's writing yeah, yeah. the story about Mr. Rogers.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that maybe it's a little higher on the list now. I'll bump it up on my letterboxed queue. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: but if, if he... um, If they casted Tom Hanks instead of Chevy Chase, like, he would have been... This is 91, so he would have been right after the Burbs or Joe versus the Volcano?
1: Yeah, it'd be in that general time frame. Big.
0: Yeah, this would have been, like perfect tom hanks
1: yeah no it, like he would have been like prime for this it, it's interesting too because um had he taken this um over um what was the uh the other film that he was in the bonfire uh, of the vanities bonfire of the vanities yeah yeah um he may not have ended up getting philadelphia because he wouldn't have had as much of a chance to kind of show up his like more dramatic chops and he would have been in something a little bit more schlocky. So it's interesting. His career could have been totally different if he had been in this instead.
0: No, he still would have gotten Philadelphia because um, he, it actually would have gotten him Philadelphia sooner because Demi wanted a comedic actor in that role, and he Bonfire of the Vanities actually kind of hurt his chances of getting that role, which is why they offered it to Robin Williams first, and they offered it to Michael Keaton, and... So, if, if he did that, he probably would have gotten Philadelphia sooner.
1: God, I would have loved Robin Williams in this.
0: Robin Williams in this? Yeah. If it was Robin Williams playing every role,
1: <laughs> even Diane.
0: Herm oh Hackard, you're fantastic.
1: <laughs> have yours with uh, mustard. is <laughs> he's trying to eat a hot
0: dog. The, the line that gets me in. in the dinner is when he says yeah we cook them uh, the old way that they used to in the baseball days or whatever it was <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> you know the baseball days the days that are long since gone i like i like too that like the era of uh, baseball that he would be talking about would be like the rube waddell era when like i don't know like there was no security, so fans could just like easily run out on the fields and like start fights with players. And yeah, shit like like, that.
0: like he would have been like the shoeless Joe days. Like, <laughs> are you
1: are you familiar with are you familiar with Rube Waddell? No, you should look him up. Um, if you're talking about movies that need to be made, a biopic about Rube Waddell is number one. That is the movie that absolutely has to be made and seen by everyone. The guy was amazing. He was basically possibly the best pitcher of all time, but no one knows about him because he was so erratic. He would leave games if he saw a fire truck go by to go run after it and help out with the fire. Um, fans of other teams would bring shiny objects and puppies to games because he would get distracted by them.
0: <laughs> is, is this like from like The Simpsons when Jose Canseco can't make it to the game because he's saving a woman whose house is on fire? <laughs>
1: It might actually have stemmed from that, honestly, yeah, because yeah, Rube was great. He would um he would just not show up for games because he was like hammered and fishing somewhere. <laughs> you gotta look this guy up. It's it's an incredible story.
0: They'd probably catch Joe Manganello. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean there are so many now that I think about it, like there are so many better people. Like I'm taking a lot of bagels out of the basket because of Chevy Chase alone. Watching it this time, like, I even like Dan Aykroyd over him. I like his character over him. There's, like, this is the one movie where I don't care what happens to the lead character. You need someone yeah. who's endearing. So, I'm thinking, like, who are actors at this time who could have done this that w- that were friends with Dan Aykroyd? If I was like, Billy Crystal. Um, Honestly, this is gonna sound crazy, but Eugene Levy and his friendship with, with John Candy?
1: Yeah, I mean... He could have made it work. Um, I don't think he's quite physical enough, but it could have worked.
0: Well, not then, but now he's like very physical. (laughs) Like, have you seen Chits Creek? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, I'm trying to think of just actors. Billy Crystal definitely. I mean, there's just something unlikable about Chris from the get-go. Like, probably just that it's Chevy. It's
1: it's Chevy Chase. Like, you see Chevy Chase, and you're just like asshole.
0: Well, when he walks in and the first thing you see is he's got like this giant stogie and like he's got the cigar and he he keeps it in his mouth. And it reminded me of Mel Brooks from Blazing Saddles as the governor. (laughs) Work, 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 work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not just that, but also um, he reminded me of Milton Burrow from um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure where he shows up as Mr. Big. (laughs)
1: oh what a handsome and well hung man he was
0: (laughs) what if okay so what if this movie had as Bobo had uh, Paul Rubens that would have been good
1: that would have been great actually because he would have like really just gone to town on that role and it would have been great
0: because this was like the time like his scandal but also Buffy right this was around him filming Buffy
1: Yes. I don't know if the scandal had happened at that point. When did the scandal happen?
0: 1990, I think.
1: Was, was it? it? Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to yell downstairs. I want to be like, hey, Alexa, when was Paul Rubin's scandal? Paul Rubin's scandal was in.
1: Uh, uh, No, it was 91. So it was actually after the production and release of this film.
0: Shit. Damn it.
1: <laughs> Missed opportunity.
0: Damn but yeah Paul Rubens would have been great um oh my god like the rest of this podcast is me trying to think of better people than Chevy Chase because I hate his character so much what if it was Alec Baldwin
1: hmm he's too he's too serious I think
0: he did Beetlejuice he did uh she's having a baby well he was a straight man in both though true true well, he's supposed to be the straight man here.
1: Yeah, I guess fair enough. Steve yeah, Martin. All the insane shit happening around him. God, Steve Martin. No, I don't. I don't want to see Steve Martin.
0: What if it was role. Tiny I don't, I don't Martin Short with Demi Moore?
1: Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin Short. No, I don't. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> it just makes me realize that, like Chevy Chase, hates every movie he's ever made.
1: Yeah, I mean that. That's part of the territory of just being uh, a noted asshole.
0: Apparently, one of the crew members was like, no, what, if you don't shut up, I'm going to take one of these bricks and bash you over the head with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> even though a lot of the crew members were mad at Aykroyd for like wanting to build everything, um, they're like, he's my director. I, I support and love my director. Well, and they all,
1: from what I've read, they all had a great time working on this movie. Like everyone that was involved, like they all went to they went to the um, to a showing that the studio held that Aykroyd refused to attend, and all of the main cast refused to attend. Like they they had a great time, and they were actually happy with the end result.
0: Yeah, because I feel bad for Aykroyd. It was such a pain for him. He never directed again, but he talks about it with such love on when he was on um, last podcast on Left, which I listened because you made me.
1: Uh, well, yeah, made, suggested. These are all words. Um, <laughs> Put a gun in my head. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, did you appreciate in that interview, by the way, how fast he started uh, plugging Crystal Skull Vodka? Oh,
0: yeah, because he's like, yeah, if I was there in the studio with you, I would have brought some Crystal Skull Vodka and we would have a good time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah but I, I really love um, you were mentioning earlier that he was blaming the failure of this movie. On the fact that it opened against Silence of the Lambs, which I think is enough of a fair statement to say, like, yeah, that probably had some correlation to his uh, box office returns. But he went a step further and was like, "Oh yeah, it's because um, our target audience were uh, young men, and that weekend, all of the ladies were wanting to see Silence of the Lambs and taking their boyfriends to it." And it's like, what fucking kangaroo logic is that?
0: <laughs> no one wanted to. No woman wanted to see Silence of the Lambs. That was a. That was a. I don't think anyone expected Silence of the Lambs to do well, if I'm being completely blunt. That wasn't a movie for anybody at that point because Manhunter failed. So, so any demographic was iffy about it. It was because it was getting great reviews that people actually went to go and see it.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a hit immediately. Um, yeah, and uh, the logic boggles my mind so much it's like oh yeah all the women wanted to go see this movie where a guy uh, kidnaps them and throws them into a van and then into a pit like that's what that's what everyone wants to see
0: or and the other movie he said was sleeping with the enemy because yeah that's exactly another movie that that women want to see a story of domestic abuse about a woman who is fleeing her abusive husband and pretending to be dead
1: yeah yeah no it was um smooth logic danny yeah it's some interesting logic but uh, yeah, I think you should stick to, you know, study of UFOs and ghosts and shit.
0: Well, this movie actually hurt uh, Demi Moore's chances at getting an Oscar. This is her Norbit because when this movie came out, uh, it was right at award season for Ghost and Ghost got yep, nominated yep. for a ton of Oscars. But she, I believe, I maybe I think Swayze got nominated, but I know she was so close to getting nominated and she did not because of Nothing But Trouble. This was her Norbit.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah. Um, One thing that bums me out is um, this movie uh, got a whole bunch of Razzies and everything. And um, I I was having a conversation with some people recently where um, that sort of thing kind of bums me out because so much work goes into making a movie. Like, I've made a feature-length Batman movie on iPhones using iMovie to edit it, and that was so much fucking effort to do even though it was dumb and meant as a joke and everything like that. So the idea of actually doing a full-on production with millions of dollars behind it and so many people making their living from it and putting their heart and soul into it, and like I was saying, the sets in this were incredible. Like It, it just sucks to have like that base level of like dismissal of, uh, of a movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there's plenty of movies that I feel that way about. Um, Sing Street is definitely one of them. That was a film that a lot of people trashed, and they didn't see it. And then, like later when it came out, they're like, "Oh my god, this movie's amazing! Why didn't anyone see it?" Well, because you didn't fucking go to the movies to see it. Yeah. So, yeah. like From that perspective, I understand how you feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there are certainly movies out there that are that are horrible, but uh, just like with the whole hyperbole culture, like um, like a movie like The Book of Henry. Was it's it's not a great movie? Don't get me wrong. It's uh it's actually fucking batshit insane and uh very entertaining in my opinion for that reason. But like yeah, just the whole like hyperbole culture of just like oh it's the worst movie of all time. Let's get Colin Trevorrow fall- fired from Star Wars.
0: <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have done that because now I'm curious to see what his Rise of Skywalker would have been like.
1: Oh, did you see the script? No. Was it good? Yeah his his script leaked. Um. It was actually pretty good. Um, the only thing was it relied heavily on Carrie Fisher because it was written um, prior to her death. Okay. So it, it would have required extensive rewrites to work.
0: Yeah, but he also has a habit of of killing people off too, like uh, Henry and Book of Henry.
1: Yeah, that movie was just so insane. I, I honestly, it's a movie I kind of weirdly enjoy. Um, not not to the nothing but trouble extent, but yeah, it's it's a fun movie
0: fun movie
1: yeah it's a fun movie about child death and then uh, a woman trying to kill her neighbor
0: yeah that that's always fun but in this film <laughs> I, I still don't understand the two points of logic of why her first line of dialogue to Chevy Chase Demi Moore is crying and then the second interaction she has with him she goes hey can I borrow your car I'll be really good with it.
1: Yeah, that's some 80s logic, that, some 80s, 90s logic, yeah. Hello, I just met you, uh, can I borrow your car?
0: <laughs> that's sitcom logic. Oh, what what if instead of Taylor Negron, they got Bronson Pinchot? <laughs> I'd like
1: to believe at this point, um, you know, his, his burgeoning film career would have uh, prevented him from being in uh, films such as this.
0: This would have been around the time that he did Second Sight?
1: Yes, that was the movie I was thinking of, the one that takes place in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, and uh, he was probably just, a, probably just a year or two away from uh, the Langoliers TV movie.
0: Well, this was probably like right when he was about to go film True Romance. Yeah, probably. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Second Sight, the Bronson Pinchot movie, sponsored by Hare's Rootbeard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it has a scene in um the south street diner which is uh a, a very special place to me uh because it used to be right by my office where i used to work and uh me and my coworkers went there once a week and uh were waited on by a very fine staff and 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 we would get gravy fries every week and that's why i am gonna die before
0: i'm 60 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah as we get to the end of this movie are there any takeaways before we do bagels Um, no, I,
1: I don't think there's much else left to say about it. Um, the only other, uh, thing I had was I had one other laugh, uh, that I want to point out and it was when they were escaping on the train and, uh, it was either Bobo or Will Devil. I didn't catch which one. Just yelled, bye, Diane!
0: (laughs) I actually laughed at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I just feel like, um, you know, they, they deserve, uh, some credit for that.
0: Okay. I, so they're his grandchildren. Whose kids? Who was the poor woman who had to have them?
1: <laughs> yeah, there is a missing generation there.
0: Also, they're they're incredibly articulate for mutants. Well, yeah,
1: I mean they're just mostly like physically deformed. They're not. I mean, they're obviously not bright, but they're they're not like developmentally challenged or anything. I would say.
0: Well, no, they. I'm I'm going off the, the basis of like. They're all freaks in this town. These two twins seem like the most educated of people in this town.
1: <laughs> well, it comes from not being able to live
0: inside. Like them them and them and Candy as Dennis are the two most educated people in this town. 3.
1: Now, are they siblings or cousins do you think?
0: I think they're twins.
1: Oh, no, no, I mean um Dennis and uh, Bobo and Will Double.
0: <laughs> I think they're cousins. Okay. I,
1: thi-
0: okay. I think I think s I think they're sibling to Valerie Brownfield's character.
1: Man, what was going on with uh with those parents?
0: I I like to believe that they met at at a juggalo's concert. <laughs> <laughs> Insane clown posse. <laughs> they met at the it's- gathering of the juggalos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's weird. Apparently, when you eat a lot of human hot dogs while pregnant, it uh, it has some effects.
0: <laughs> I really wish they went into that more. That the hot dogs were people.
1: Yeah i I would really like to see what is on the cutting room floor for this movie. I hope that um, at some point, Dan Aykroyd kind of um sort of takes ownership of this and is willing to go back and do a proper re-release on Blu-ray with like commentary and um, all the deleted scenes and everything like that. Because I think that this is a, with music, I tend to like underdog albums by bands. So um, I might not prefer like their biggest hit album or anything like that. Um, I might like the one after it or the one before it or whatever. I think that I, do, I like that with films too. Like this is definitely an underdog film and it had a lot stacked against it. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the judicious editing by the studio and, and all of that. So I would love to actually hear the real story from Dan Aykroyd, um, see what this was supposed to be, see all the deleted scenes and then kind of picture what would have happened or what could have happened.
0: Yeah. There are things that I like about this movie. I'm not giving it low bagels. I, I know a bunch of people listening probably think that i'm gonna like destroy this film i'm not going to um but there's certain things that i like about this movie i actually i really like the slow burn nature at the beginning of the movie and i like yep. i like the fact that we don't see Acroyd until about 35 minutes into the movie
1: yeah and his introduction was done pretty well i think
0: yeah um, I wish that we had a different actor. I've said that many times. I wish we had two different lead actors. I mean, I still don't know how they got to me more. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really don't. It's it's actually boggling my mind.
1: Well, she th- she's not new to trash. Like this wasn't necessarily slamming it for her so much as Ghost. I think was a little highbrow for her at that point in time anyway because she
0: did ghost and um a few good men at the same time so it's just like oh, oh yeah. yeah so to me it's like okay so you're going to so she was doing six movies at once she was doing <laughs> what is she Brendan Fraser? <laughs> I guess cuz she she had three movies come out in 1991
1: That's That's insane.
0: She had two movies come out in 1990, and then she had three movies come out in 92. And then she started to go on hiatus from stuff after Striptease, which is a film that Christopher Brown will be doing in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love love how you were like, you made me watch Moulin Rouge, you made me watch a shitty episode of California Dreams, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You need to watch (laughs) Nothing But Trouble. I'm like, you just put You're three well, movies um, in... <laughs> you put <laughs> basically, you put what's bad about those three movies into one movie.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's fair. Um, I think that nothing but trouble is is um, it, it at least has its fun moments. Um, it's it's not a, as much of a trash fire, I think as a lot of people assume it to be.
0: Yeah, well, I wish I feel this film would have been better if John Landis directed it like like Ackroyd wanted.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that.
0: Because I feel like Landis would have known what not to do.
1: Yeah, as opposed to Aykroyd, who was a yes man.
0: Yeah, or Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman's like, no, nah, I'm not going to make your movie. I'm going to go put a baby in Schwarzenegger's belly. <laughs> oh, wait, no, this was Kindergarten <laughs> Cop. So Yeah, that's probably still a good call.
1: Yeah, but what, cop what is, was uh, Landis is, is doing?
0: What was Landis doing if he wasn't doing nothing but trouble? That's 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 what's like killing me because John Landis just must have hated the script that much that he was like, no. Nah.
1: He did uh, Oscar with uh, Sylvester Stallone.
0: Okay, that you no, know, he should have made this instead.
1: Yeah, no, that's he made the wrong choice.
0: Yeah, I I wish. I wanted to see the version of An American Werewolf in London with Belushi and Aykroyd. You heard about that original casting, right? No. Originally, American Werewolf in London was Belushi as the Griffin Dunn role and Dan Aykroyd as the David Nottington role.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I think that would have been a significantly different movie. Absolutely. Like... You could have the same exact script and the same exact director for that, and that would have been an entirely different movie.
0: Which is weird, because that's one of my favorite Halloween movies of all time.
1: It's up there. Um, it's up there with, like, the classics like Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> the class.
0: You know, my favorite, some of my favorite uh, Halloween movies. Uh, you know, American Werewolf in London, The Shining, Ernest Scared Stupid. Pocus, <laughs> Pocus, Goosebumps, Goosebumps Two, Halloween Island, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> so, how many bagels on in a Baker's dozen? How many bagels are left? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there are thirteen.
0: <laughs> no shit, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, like I said, I go into this film um, once a decade or so. Always have a great time doing so. I'm always morbidly fascinated by it, and uh, after this watch, after doing some more reading about it, I'm just more curious about it than ever. And I, I want to know all the what ifs, and uh, I, I, you know, I want to know more about the background. Dan Aykroyd, because you're listening, uh, you know, please get on that uh, deluxe Blu-ray reissue. Uh, I will buy it along with uh, a few dozen other people
0: <laughs> to get the backstory. I would definitely buy it. I'm not going as low as you think. I'm taking out six. There's seven left. Because I do like the story. I do love candy in it. But five are coming out for Chevy J's alone. And then one is coming out for Demi Moore's haircut.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. And not for uh, the quote-unquote Brazilianaires?
0: No, they made me laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> And also, she's... Taylor Negron's dead. And she is... She is uh, Amy Santiago's mom. So Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> Chris, is there anything you want to promote?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. i uh, got a couple podcasts that I do, uh, Old Men Yell at Cloud and uh, the recently revived Nickelbacken. Um, and, uh, yeah, actually, my solo music project, The Difference Engine, just put out a record called uh, Anomaly, which is available on Bandcamp and should be on Spotify and all that. So, uh, yeah, there's that.
0: And uh, we, of course, have our Instagram, our Twitter. Um, You can follow us on Facebook, please. Our Facebook numbers are so low. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And then there's some announcements that we'll be doing later. Um, There's a project that I'm going to be working on with someone who is on this podcast that isn't me. That's you.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was real confused. I, I didn't know who this third person was. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Uh, No, but I don't know if you want to tease it now.
1: Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Get it out there. Get it out into the universe. Birth this beautiful baby.
0: <laughs> Chris and I uh, have bonded over our love of Family Matters. So we're going to be doing a mini-series based on our love of that show. And one thing we've noticed... That's all I'll say.
1: Okay, great. And um, on that note, uh, I need to get you the new logo. Uh, Danielle, my wife, um, did some excellent work on it, cleaned it up a lot, and uh, it is way better than it has any right to be. Okay.
0: So, yeah, until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Chris, thanks for doing this. (laughs) No problem. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye, Diane!